0: I think we can all understand this, that jerkiness comes from a messiness. You know, in, inside, like anytime anybody responds poorly, says something negative, something hurtful, cuts somebody, you know, with their words, whatever it may be, I think we, we tried to come to this understanding. And I think Patrick helped us with that as well last week to say that, that you know, that there, there's usually something going on in that person's life. Or if we're the ones who respond poorly, we understand there's something going on in our life or in our heart and something we're, we're dealing with. We live in a world with a lot of pressure, uh, a lot of brokenness, uh, things that weigh us down in our life, and some of that causes us to snap, causes us to respond in an unhealthy way. This brings about some of this jerkiness, and we didn't even sometimes mean to respond a certain way, I mean, maybe maybe you say, yeah, I did, I meant to, <laughs> but, but mostly I think our Responses We say, man, I, I wish I could take that back or I wish I could do it differently. And, 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 and so we, we don't ever set out really to intend to damage people, but uh, because of the way things happen in our culture and in our lives, it's very easy to get this wrong and to, and to mess it up. But here's what we know. Uh, God has set up something. It's this word. It's called peace. And where peace is present, jerkiness fades. Where peace is present, jerkiness fades. And so uh, what I want to do is spend a little time helping you understand what the big deal is about peace in God's word, because it's a real big deal. It's a part of how in the middle of a world that is messy and broken and damaged and difficult, it's how you and I uh, are able to conquer, win victories against jerkiness, And when you are filled with peace and you operate in peace, you can diffuse things that would have otherwise maybe gotten messier. God has called all the believers to be people of peace. You're here today. You're a believer in Christ. God has called you to be a peacemaker. Jesus in this very famous scripture that maybe you know of if you've been a believer for a bit. You've maybe read The Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called, they will be called the children of God. Uh, A very famous part of the Beatitudes there, peacemakers, a big deal for people who are followers, people who are children of God. But I think what we have to do is understand actually what peace is before we can get too far into this because I think there's some misconceptions about what peace is. Like right now, I could say to you, what is peace? What is peace? What is peace? You might have a response that looks something like this. It might be, well, peace is a cessation of war. And that might be your view of of what it is. And, And I understand why you might think that, but that is not what God's definition of peace actually is. God's definition of peace is not the absence of war or conflict. We've seen this in the Middle East, right? We've seen hundreds of truce agreements, but the simmering still continues, and then eventually the agreement is broken, and then all of a sudden they're they're back at it again, because that really wasn't the, the implementation of peace. It was just simply a truce and conflict Again, what God is revealing to us in His Word is that peace is so much more than just, again, this cessation of conflict. Heck, the word, thinking of the Middle East, the, the, Jerusalem, the name of that city, Jerusalem, means the city of peace. And yet, there's no city that's been more fought over and warred over throughout human history than Jerusalem. It's more than just a lack of conflict. God is giving us something so much greater than that, right? There's no conflict in a cemetery. But it, that's not, that shouldn't be our goal is to, well, now it's all quiet. There should be something while we're still alive that we can discover that's bigger than just, just the, the conflict issue. And then the other thing uh, I wrote down is that some people think that peace is just, just the absence of work. You know, like, I got a week off no responsibilities. I can sit back in my chair, watch Netflix, or sit on the beach. This is what peace really is. Again, that certainly could be very nice for you, but that is not God's definition of peace. Oh, well, Pastor Gary, I just love just we could sit here. And do nothing. I can't wait to get to heaven because that's what we're going to do, Pastor Gary. We're going to sit and do nothing. Actually, that's not true. If you read God's word, you're going to be doing some stuff in heaven. And so, uh, we, we. But what we we can understand is that when we're achieving or we're trying to understand what peace is and peacemaking, it goes beyond just the absence of. Uh, of conflict, and it's beyond just sitting around and doing nothing. In fact, when you study this word peace in the scriptures, you'll find some really incredible thought and things that, that are surrounded in those those words. In other words, uh, the word peace. Maybe you've heard of it in the Hebrew. The word peace means it, it, it comes from this word shalom. You've, you've probably heard that. Well, the word shalom comes from this understanding of an active moving situation of peace. Uh, In other words, I'm actively bringing harmony into my relationships. I'm actively moving towards prosperity. I'm in an active state, right? That that word in, by its definition, isn't one of just sitting back or lacking conflict. It's a moving forward situation. In the Greek, it comes from this word irena, which uh, in, in essence means that I'm in harmony or in health with other people. Well, you're not in harmony or in health with other people sitting back and doing nothing. Again, it's a portrayal of an active state when we're understanding what peace actually is. I thought what I would do is just give you that and maybe a little bit more. matter of fact, I wrote in your notes, if you're taking notes, I gave, we give you notes when you came in, if you grabbed one of those at the door. I wanna give you just some thoughts about peace here before I give you what will be five things that peacemakers are known for uh, in, in humanity, but but first, I wrote this down in your notes. The Bible itself is a book about peace. It's a book of peace. When you read it and you understand it, you discover you discover that it's a book about peace because it's a book about God, and our God is a God about peace. But you also may need to throw out some misconceptions about peacemaking in order to really understand what we're talking about here today. If we're going to deal with the jerk faces. If we're going to deal with our own jerkiness, we need to know the truth about peacemaking. And let me give you a couple other misconceptions about peace. I wrote these in your notes. Peacemaking is not appeasement. There are some of you, when I start talking about peace, you might say that, yes, it's something like this. It's it's really just letting... People have their way. Like there, maybe you might not even say that, but you operate that way. You're you're what's known as a pacifist. You let people just run all over you. You always take the blame in the relationship. You always take the blame in the situation. Uh, and I just want to be clear to you: uh, being a person of peace doesn't mean you're the one that. Always says you're sorry, so that you you can just move along with the other person. It doesn't mean always giving in. You know, God's idea of peace is not where one person in in, in the marriage is the one that's always doing the giving in. You know, God has something bigger for understanding what peace is. So it's not appeasement. Certainly, certainly, you can have times where you do need to apologize. We all understand that, but I think you understand a person of appeasement is one that just kind of sits back and is a pacifist. Here's the other thing I wrote in your notes is that peace is not avoidance. And this is going on in homes and families today. People are walking on eggshells. People aren't saying what it is that really needs to be said. And what they're doing is they're just simply avoiding conflict. Peacemakers, being a peacemaker does not include avoiding an issue. Look, conflict is not pleasant. It's just not. And having to address conflict is not easy. Like if you're here today and you're like, no, I love conflict. I love fighting. Like you're neurotic. Stop that. That's just ridiculous. That's not a healthy way of, of living. And no one really likes fighting. That, that's crazy. Uh, and so when you start thinking about going into conflict, it, it's not easy. It's never going to be something that is It is simple, but God's calling out the believers to not sweep things under the rug. And some of us, this is why the family is struggling, because you you just sweep things under the rug. I can tell you, you can sweep and sweep and sweep under the rug. At some point, that pile under the rug is going to keep growing, and somebody's going to trip over it. And so we got to decide, okay, uh, if these people that call themselves believers are going to be peacemakers, uh, we don't just sit back in avoidance. We take the step. Hear me. Christianity is not avoidance. That's cowardice. Avoidance. Avoidance is not what we do as believers. I wrote it down in my notes like this. If you ignore conflict, you are not a peacemaker, you're a troublemaker. You don't see it as that, that way sometimes, but you're actually adding to the problem, adding to the situation. We don't sit and live in detente and just try to you know, all get along. It's bigger. I'm talking about something today bigger than that. I was reading in a leadership magazine, you know, I talk about one of the things that, that separates kind of good leaders from not-so-good leaders is good leaders know how to deal with conflict. They're not afraid to step into it and, and handle the, the situation. And the guy said in the article, he, he said, peacemaking is not burying the issue. Peacemaking is learning to bury the hatchet. In other words, it's getting to the core of the situation. Blessed are... The peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. It's something bigger that we're taking a look at here. Peacemaking is not saying blessed are those who avoid conflict. Peacemaking is not blessed are those who are passively giving up so that everybody will just kind of get along. Peacemaking is not those who run away from unpleasant situations. Peacemaking is running towards them and doing it in a very healthy Way. It says peacemakers, not peace lovers. It says peacemakers, not peace talkers, peacemakers. And we are going to look at how we do this better as believers. If you're here today and you're not a believer, uh, we're, first, we're glad you're here and you, welcome to New Walk. We're glad that this is the place you chose to come to today, uh, of course, yeah, and we're thankful <laughs> you're here. Um, this message very directly towards the believers. If you're here today and you're an unbeliever, you, you can just kind of sit back and and, and point at us a little bit and say, yeah, y'all should be doing this. Because this is what the mark of a believer should do. Ultimately, if you're here today and you're an unbeliever, we want you to discover a real peace for your life. We do. And we want you to become a peacemaker as well. And I hope you'll crave that. But I wrote in your notes five ways to bring peace into jerky situations. These are things that peacemakers do. You're here today. You call yourself children of God. This is what we do. Here's the first thing. Take initiative. Peacemakers take the initiative. Uh, many months ago, when we were dealing with forgiveness, uh, I shared this scripture, and, and I, I want to share it again because it's very powerful for this particular point of my time together with you. In Matthew 5, 23, it says, Therefore, this is Jesus, he's saying, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at an altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Let's stop right here because want I want to put this in 2022 form here so you can understand it. Jesus is saying, Let's say you come to church and you realize when you get here that you've got a beef with somebody. There's something unhealthy going on. This is, this is what he says. You've got a problem with somebody else. Somebody's got something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come back. So I bring that up to say to you that that this is the seriousness of the situation, this out of Jesus' mouth here, but the particular part that I wanted to bring to your attention is he says, go. He says, go, you take the first step. This is what peacemakers do. Leave your place where you are and go deal with that grudge. Take the initiative. That is the mark of a peace. Maker, look, I mentioned before about the conflict in the Middle East. An attempt at peace was made. Under the last presidential administration, uh, they got together with a group of nations that decided they needed to put their grudges aside. And they they put together something. Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the Abraham Accords. It was actually a pretty big deal. And in order for it to happen, some nations had to... to let their relationships go with other nations that wanted to keep holding a grudge so that a peace agreement could be put together between Israel and some Arab nations for commerce and business and relationships and connectivity. Now, they're working through that, but I can tell you that some people, to make that accord happen, had to step up and take the initiative. And and who knows how that's going to go, but here's what I'm going to tell you right now. As peacemakers, people who call themselves children of God. That is absolutely our mentality is to go. We are the goers. We are the people who step forward in initiative. Wait a minute, Gary, Gary, Gary. Why should I go to him? Why should I go to her? They hurt me. She hurt me. They should be coming to me. Correct. You're right. They should be coming to you. You're absolutely right, especially if they're believers. But you're a believer. What are you going to do, sit around and wait all day for them to come to you? Week, month, years, all your life? They may not be coming to you. So you take the initiative, and you be the peacemaker. And you say, okay, I've got to do what I need to do. I'm going to take the first step in peacemaking. Here's the second thing. Peacemakers don't jump to conclusions we live in a culture today where, you know, somebody says something and then we, boom, we just jump to conclusions. In Proverbs, Solomon spends some time talking about the folly, kind of the, 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 this, the idiocy of, of jumping to conclusions. And this is a struggle in, if you look at marriage conflict, relationships, miscommunication, people misjudging. People jumping to conclusions and not getting the full story. This is one of the great issues that people struggle with when they're trying to have healthier relationships. They misjudge and they jump to conclusions. And here's what, here's what Solomon said, Proverbs 18. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. If you respond without getting the full deal from the other person, it's folly. You're making a mistake. Are you letting people give the full story so that now you can really understand. Again, thinking about some of the things Patrick talked about, you know, are you you getting that information uh, to really understand what's going on uh, with them? Do Do you know what's actually taking place in their life? It reminds me of the story of an employee. It was his first day on the job, this big insurance company, and he's got this binder full of stuff, papers, 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 and he walks up to this big machine, and he's looking at it, and he's going she 's kind of shaking his head, sort of like, "Where do I start here? The secretary pops up and she walks over. She can see that he doesn 't know what 's going on, and so she says, "Hey, can I help you with the machine?" And he says, "Yes, please, thank you and so she takes the binder she takes it and she feeds it into the machine, and it just shreds it and he 's like, "Oh no, 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 no she says what 's wrong he goes He goes, "I, I, I was trying to make copies <laughs> all right that 's a, a great little illustration to say like if we had just had a few more sentences exchanged, right, we could have avoided the, the shred, the mess. And sometimes, in the success of our conversations, we're really just a handful of sentences of communication away from actually understanding what's really taking place. But we jump to conclusions, we don't respond well, and we start making our own judgments. Just a little miscommunication. A guy had a car, he wouldn't start, it was broke down on the side of the road, and and his battery was dead. And so he's waiting there on the side of the road and this, this uh, guy pulls up alongside and says, hey, you need some help? He says, yeah, I need some help. I, I, I need a jump, I need some jumper cables. Do you have?" He says, no, I don't have any jumper cables. The, the guy whose car is broke down, he says to the other guy, he says, okay, here's what you can do. You can help me uh, by, by what I need to do is, is I need you to kind of come up, I need you to get behind me. It's uh, gotta be at about 30, it's gotta be at about 35 miles an hour and if you'll do that, you know, he's got an automatic transmission, so you got to go a little faster with that and drop it in gear so that the thing will turn over and start. And so they're like, yeah, he's got both Say, okay, we'll help, yeah, let's do that. I'll help, I'll help you with that. So, so the guy with the broken down car, he gets in his car and his hands are on the wheel and he looks in the rearview mirror and the guy drove off. He's like, uh, what in the world's going on? He looks back up a minute later, here he comes at 35 miles an hour right up behind him. Now, you hear that? We're just a couple sentences away from actually understanding what needed to happen there, but but we leave it out. And I think a lot of that responsibility requires uh, those who call ourselves believers to say, "No, I'm going to pause before I react. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I need to get more information about the situation." And James in the Scriptures gives us the prescription. God's Word always gives the prescription. And here's what it says in James one verse nineteen. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be, this famous scripture here, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Did you get it? One of the keys to stop spreading jerkiness is to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then if you do that, your responses won't be jumping to conclusion, misjudging, miscommunication. It will be one of clarification and not of actual anger when you take time to know what's really, really happening. Let me give you another thing that peacemakers do in your notes. Peacemakers hear both sides without taking sides. Man, this is hard. And, and of course, if you're in third-party mediation... This is important. Like, if you're going to be a mediator between two parties, you have to figure out how to understand, right, both sides without actually taking a side so that you can prescribe, so that you can give the information that's needed. And, and it is true that as a peacemaker in Christ, we have a responsibility in third party situations to help other people out, we should do that. As God is revealing peace to us, we become uh, peacemaker helpers to, to other people where two people or uh, two parties are arguing. But I want to be clear about this. As a person who's in strife with another person, you need to also figure out how to hear both sides and understand both sides without taking sides. I know, I know, it's hard because. When you have your side, you know, you're all big and boisterous, peacock. I know everything. I'm in charge. You know, look at me. I know all the answers and you don't. And you're up here with all your smarts and you look at them and they're down here. And what a key to proper peacemaking is I want to not just communicate better, but I want to fully embrace and understand what's, what their need is. That's hard. The Bible tells us that as believers, we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people to God, a relationship with Jesus Christ, of course. Uh, reconciling, though, also other relationships that are struggling, but also the ministry of reconciliation with other people who, are hurt, or who have conflict with. And a part of that is getting yourself in right positioning. Here's what it says in James 3 and 17. It says... But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first all pure. Then it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I love that word that's in there. It says submissive. I think we... Struggle, men struggle with that word for sure, but it 's a, it's a word of, of struggling in general. People be submissive. let me help you understand this context here and how valuable it is here here 's what it 's saying it 's saying lower yourself and all your wants and care about them and it, it 's saying here that people who sow in peace and reap righteousness are people who can find themselves into that position of caring about the needs of the other person. When you can come to a place where you just don't blurt out I understand, where you really actually can say I understand now more clearly what's going on, man, that's great positioning, that's right positioning. The best job on the face of the earth I could equate this to being a peacemaker is being a bomb expert. And what does a bomb expert do? The bomb expert arrives on the scene. And what's his job? To defuse. And what does he do? He begins to look at the situation and he begins to study the situation, get all the information that he needs about the bomb, about the situation. And he begins to deconstruct and diffuse, and do everything he could do to make the situation not be explosive and bring remedy to the situation. And folks, that's what the Christians do with people in humanity. We arrive on the scene and we are the defusers in our marriages, homes, families. Relationships, here's the next thing. Don't gossip about the situation. Gossip, gossip. Uh, Solomon, this very wise man, considered the wisest to ever live, he had some good info on in Proverbs on, on gossip. And uh, man, you want to be a jerk face, be a gossiper. You know, it's interesting, in the first week of our series, we, I did, we had some fun with this. I gave 15... Um, Ways to assess if you yourself have done anything jerky. And we we had, you know, we had some challenges with all of us looking at that. Because we have all done some things. I probably could have put, have you ever gossiped? And if you have, that's a part of a sort of jerky behavior. And I understand, it's a struggle to... I get this right? Hey, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you, did you hear? what the, let, me tell you, let me tell you a little, little something about somebody somebody else. And, and somebody tells us something, and then we feel compelled. We got to share it with somebody else. And I think part of the human nature is I now know a sweet, really, thing that I just heard, and you don't. So I can't wait to tell you and show you how much smarter I am than you, because I know things about people that you don't know. <laughs> and, and we love that. We think that's really, really fun. And yet... That's so destructive to humanity. And here's what uh, Solomon said about it. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Jerk faces love to create conflict and strife and gossip does that. It reminds me of three pastors who were on staff at the same church. They decided to go away on a little bit of a retreat and just deal with some things, and one of the things they wanted to do was have a time where each of them expressed a sin that they're struggling with. So the first pastor speaks up, and he says, well, guys, I'll be honest, I struggle with lust. You know, as a man of God, I know I need to be better at this, but, you know, when I see beautiful women and things, I think things, and it's a problem for me, and so I deal with, with, with lust. And so he shared that, and then the next one steps up and shares and said, so, well, look, guys, I gotta be honest, I deal with greed. And I know as a pastor, as a man of God, I need to do better with this and materialistic things, but, but I still struggle with greed and wanting more and more things as they all listen to him. And then the third guy spoke up and said, guys, I got I to be honest, I struggle with gossip and I cannot wait to get back to the office and tell everybody what you guys just shared. And you would look at somebody who did that, you'd say, well, that guy's a jerk. And well, any of us could be in that boat if we're not careful. Proverbs 11:13. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a what? Secret. Secret. Peacemakers. Peacemakers have the ability to absorb information without spreading it to other people. If you find somebody that's a confidence that you can tell things to and it's not going to go all out into the wind... That's a great person to have in your life. In Proverbs 26 and 20, uh, it says this without fire, or without wood, a fire goes out. That's true. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like morsels, they go down to the inmost parts. I love that here in Proverbs. He says, it's tasty information. It's like a morsel. But it gets down in to people. It infects. It damages inside. Remember, you get information about somebody that they've shared with you. Reputations are fragile. Handle them with care. A pastor one time was at his church and a man showed up to talk to him about a struggle and um, he said, Pastor, I need to share something with you. I had a, a situation where somebody confided in me and shared something with me very personal and I goofed up and I told some people and they told some people and it's, it's a big mistake. What do I do? What do I do? How, how do I fix this and, and, and deal with it? Pastor said, well, let me help you with this. Here's what I want you to do. Go find a big feather pillow Go outside on a windy day and cut it open and just get the pillows up into the wind. And then the next day, what I want you to do is go back into the town and gather every single feather. Well, of course, that's not going to be possible. And the man said, Pastor, that, yeah, I can't, but after a day, the feathers are going to be, I'm never going to be able to find all of the feathers. And the pastor said, exactly. When you gossip and it gets up into the wind, you can't bring it all back. It's out there to the next person and the next person, and that's why it's such a messy thing. It's impossible to recover. We see this uh, today in, in, in the news media. You know, they'll flashing thing, breaking news, breaking, you know, boy, whoo, big deal, sirens, whoo, breaking news. And they'll share a story for days, you know, and you'll, people will hear it by the hundreds and thousands of people. It's all over the news. A few days later, we find out it wasn't true. Now, does the news station run a, thing that says flashing news we messed up that was a bad story we got it wrong no they just keep moving on just let it go out there in the wind if they do do a retraction it's on page 14 in the back bottom corner you know, a little retraction for a mistake that we made it's, it's happening all the time and yet peacemakers go into the situation and say you know, we're just going to stay right here with what's going on and here's, here's uh, the next thing uh, the fifth one Attack the problem, not the person. If you're ever in conflict, we you have to figure out how, as a peacemaker, to work through the problem without cutting down the person. And it's very difficult. Uh, Proverbs 51 says it like this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In this very jerky world, peacemakers know how to manage their tongue, their mouth, their words. They know how to address a situation without getting nasty. You know, like, oh, gosh, I can't believe you're doing that. Why, why don't you just get an ounce of brains, will you? We, we blurt out phrases like that to, 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 cut people, to cut people down when we're struggling with conflict. Some people think they're funny cutting people down in the middle of a conflict. Be a comedian while I cut you down. Look, there's a time and a place for great comedy, but not in conflict, cutting people like that. There's all kinds of scenarios in which, instead of actually being mature peacemakers and addressing the situation, hearing, not jumping to conclusions, getting all the facts, healthy people decide they're gonna talk about that, that's what they do. Instead of doing that, we just, we go on the attack. Troublemakers troublemakers attack one another personally peacemakers stick they stick to the issue now i 've been talking and even in this series about a lot of messiness how does how does all this messiness take place in our culture like it 's true, and we all know it 's true it's around us we, we know we go through it ourselves how does it how does it happen and I love how James describes exactly why we get jerkiness, and here 's what it says in James 4 and 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. Think about it in terms of our topic today. There's all these things you're wanting, wanting, wanting in life, and it's not working out how you want, and you cut people nasty towards them, and you damage them with words and things that you say. You're damaging people. There's something going on. On the inside, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask for the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So we have a whole thing there about how people even are going to God, but they're going to God for their own personal motives. But there in the beginning, he says, He says the bottom line is there's something going on in humanity and he's talking really about a war, a fight taking place on the inside of human beings. When you see somebody who's at war with everybody, it's oftentimes a tell that they're at war with themselves. If you're not at peace with yourself, guess what? You are always going to be at odds with other people, And of course, the source of all of this is sin. Sin is the source of conflict. Sin enters the world. Humanity, in 2022, we're just experiencing continually the product of sin entering the world. And for the people who do not have peace in their heart, a war is constantly taking place. H.G. Wells, the great author, I talked to him about one character that seemed to be irregularly Uh, appearing in his writings and he said it seems like he's always having this battle and he said yeah yeah he's 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 having a civil war and for some of you this is kind of where you are and it spills over that war that's on the inside of you spills over onto other people you know what if you're uptight and feeling that way uptight on the inside you're you're just bound and determined to make everybody else around you uptight. You're warring on the inside, you're just bound and determined to war with everybody on the outside. Let me ask you a question before I finish up. Have you made peace with the person under your skin? Are you at peace with that person inside of you, under your skin. Some of you have been tortured on the inside about things of your past, things that you did to people, things that were done to you, things that just bad choices that maybe you made. And it's, it, you feel a sense of torture inside, and there's a, a war going on there. Others of you, And there's like this pulling one direction and the other direction. And you can't seem to kind of get it into alignment or into harmony. And sometimes maybe even you act one way with one group of people. But with this group of people over here, you act a different way. And it's just a lack of authenticity. There's a war going on on the inside. Some of you are just flat out running from God. Did you notice in that beatitude the reward for those who are peacemakers it said blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of what god i don't know if you understand how big of a deal that is being called a child of god by god that's a big deal let me let me just be clear about this you should want to be called a child of god more than you should want the nobel peace prize that's bigger than any of that being called a child of God? What God is saying is that when you go forward as a peacemaker and you take some of the steps that I've just shared with you, God is saying, he's looking down on you going, that's my boy. That's my girl. She's one of mine. He's, he's one of mine. Have you made that kind of peace on the inside so that you can be that kind of person on the outside, what a privilege to be called a child of God. And why does God do that? Why, does, why is that such a, a big deal to God? Why is being a peacemaker such a big deal? Uh, because our God is a God of peace. Six times in the New Testament, we, see we, God is a God of peace. It's who he is. And so when you are working in peace, you are working in the things that God values very much. You've heard the phrase, like father, like Son, when you are a peacemaker, like father, like son, like father, like daughter of the king, you are doing that. You are moving forward in what it is that he values. How do you get started? I wrote this in your notes. Starting point is this. Number one, first, if you haven't, make your peace with God. That's the starting point. Chaos on the inside. Have you... Have you signed the treaty with God? Have you realized that God is not mad at you? And did you know that? That God loved you so much that he gave a son for you so that you got a peace in your heart and be freed from that war, that civil war inside of you? Have you decided to get your life in harmony with God Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, justified, made right with God, we have peace then with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're made right with God through Jesus Christ, and then we have peace with God. There's some of you here, and you would say, well, pastor, I'm not at war with God. I'm just not a believer. You're at war with God. Because you're not with God. You're not in harmony with him. I love what it says in Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule, that word rule, I'm gonna come back to that in a second, rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. That word rule in your hearts comes from the word where we get get today, like in baseball, the word umpire. It comes from the same kind of word there. And what it's saying is with Christ in your life, And peace, that peace of God that you begin to develop works something like an umpire calling balls and strikes. It says, okay, this is how you're gonna operate now in conflict. God's ruling your heart. This is how you're gonna handle humanity. This is how you're gonna love your neighbor as yourself. It's the thing that calls balls and strikes in your life, moving you into healthier choices and decisions when it comes to how you work with conflict and humanity. So the first thing we do is make your peace with God, and then the next thing is you got to decide to take inventory. Who are you at odds with right now as a believer? If you're here and you're a believer, who are you at odds with right now? Who do you have resentment against? Is it a husband? Is it a wife? Is it a parent? Maybe a business partner that stiffed you. A friend who's been disloyal, a brother or sister in your family or another family member you've been at rivals with, at odds with, and you haven't talked in a while. I mentioned this uh, earlier in the year, but man, go out of here. Go. Take the initiative. Write them a text. Say, look, I, I love you. Uh, that's just it. Or, I'm sorry that we didn't, things didn't work out. Forgive. Love, make peace you you 'll you'll, you'll feel you feel i 've done that to do this before you 'll feel incredibly different when you send that message it, it'll do something in your heart. Nobody likes to take the initiative I get it that 's why that 's why there's so few peacemakers in our world because nobody likes to take the initiative here 's the Last thing, let God use you to begin being a peacemaker between two fighting parties. Once the peace is in you, you're able to move that peace into your relationships, but also find yourself helping other people who are struggling. And that's a valuable piece. By the way, one of the the best ways you can be a peacemaker and bring peace to other people is to tell them about Jesus. That's the ultimate thing that will bring answers to their life is is to find peace on the inside. And so you take the initiative to tell them about the gift of Jesus Christ because God took the initiative with his son Jesus. And you let them know that God took the initiative for them but also finding a way to help others through reconciling difficulties between two parties. Blessed are the peacemakers for they they'll be called the children of God let's pray together God now we thank you for uh, just the, the additional wisdom here to learn about being a peacemaker maybe there's somebody who is a believer and they, they'll take a step today God you're giving them the strength to take this step and and just be a peacemaker Maybe though there's one, two, maybe several people, maybe somebody watching online and you're listening to me right now and you are at war on the inside. You're right here in this auditorium. Maybe there's a battle taking place and there's chaos in your heart and you know it, you know it's there. You've tried to figure out the answer to that and it's been there all along. You've just got to decide that you want peace and it starts with a peace with God. And the Bible was clear. We just looked at it in Romans. It said you will find peace with God by being justified in faith through Jesus Christ. You can do that today, right where you're seated. You can say, God, I want to be made right with you. Forgive me of my sin. I accept the gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ right now. God, forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ did that for me on the cross. I receive that now, God, that forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. God, I'm, I want to work to begin in my heart as I become, I'm becoming this believer now. As I, as I make this journey with you, God, I want a cleansing of that chaos and that war. And I want to find out true life and what, God, you have in store for me. I'm ready to find real peace. I accept that gift of Jesus today. In Jesus' name, Amen.